You've found the Everything Apostolic Podcast. Delight your soul, feed your spirit, and sharpen your mind with anointed teaching and discussion on subjects such as faith healing, miracles, end-time prophecy, holiness, and everything that apostolics love. And now here's your host, pastor, author, blogger, and teacher, Charles Rodas. Welcome to Everything Apostolic. Well, praise the Lord. This is Charles Rodas, your host, and thank you for joining in with me today. We're going to have a great time here talking about this subject, seven hindrances to your prayer life. Yeah, seven hindrances to your prayer life. You know, that is the key to the devil, because if he can stop your prayer life, hey, he can stop you. Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry to be the the, the bearer of bad news if that's bad news to you. And he may have already stopped your prayer life. You may be very involved with the Lord. Oh, you may be very involved in ministry and in the church and uh, singing, preaching, teaching, other types of ministry. But I tell you what, when you lose your prayer life, my friend, you have really lost everything because that is your communication. Well, I pray, but I just pray here and I pray there and I pray in the car a lot. And, you know, listen, you've got to have closet time. I have preached it on these podcasts. I've talked about it on these podcasts. Let me tell you, I've been, I've had the Holy Ghost since 1980. And I can say that for most of these years, virtually, virtually all of these years, I have been very consistent in my prayer life. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect. No, I'm not saying I haven't made mistakes. No, we all have. But I do know and I've learned early on that your prayer life is so key. Your prayer life is like a marriage. It is. If you're not talking to God, think about it. You fellas, you're not, you're not talking to your wife. Oh, just talking on the run all the time, huh? You send her, you know, a few texts each day and, you know, you might talk for four or five minutes while you're driving the car and, you know, you talk for a couple minutes, you know, in the morning, a few minutes at night, you know, and that's, that's, that's your conversation with your wife. That's your conversation with your husband. That's, that's, that would be, you feel justified. That's a, that's a relationship. Friend, I don't call that a relationship. I thank God for my wife. We have a good communication. We talk all the time, you know, and you've got to, you've got to say, well, we both work. Yeah, we both work too, but you've got to spend quality time. Oh, and not just, don't tell me it's just quality time. Don't go there. I see that sometimes on social media, talking about quality. It's more than quality. It's quantity. You fellas, you just want 10, 15 minutes of what you would call quality time with your wife. No, she's wanting a couple hours of quantity time to her, uh, that time might be taking her shopping. It may be, you know, going somewhere and doing something with her or just sitting, you know, uh, in the living room, just, just talking and just having you know, conversation. It's more than just quality, but we've got to have a relationship is my point. And that's what prayer is. I'm not trying to preach about marriage here, but it's so close to our relationship with God. It, it, it really is. And you know, it. you know, it is. You know it is, and uh, if we don't have a good relationship uh, in prayer, we don't have much of a relationship. And I know I can maybe be argued down, but I I believe I'm right. I'm convinced. I cannot be convinced otherwise. I I have followed too many great men 
with great prayer lives, Verbal Bean and Lee Stone King and, you know, um, Billy Cole and, you know, just just uh, G.A. Mangan and different ones over the years that, that I know had strong prayer lives and they had powerful ministries, powerful ministries, but it comes from a strong prayer life. So today we're going to talk about here uh, seven hindrances to your prayer life because I'm all about helping you and encouraging you in this journey and uh, uh, yeah, and getting stronger in the Lord. That's right. That's right. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits, it says in the book of Daniel. So let's talk a few minutes about number one, seven hindrances to your prayer life. Number one, uh, is is really it's the cares of this life. Jesus talked about the cares of this life. We can call it busyness. You know, we got the house, you got a yard, you've got a garden. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with any of that, right? You've got kids, you've got grandkids, you spend time, you do things, you take care of them. N- nothing wrong with that, right? You've got a house to clean, a house to take care of. You You've got demands around your home. Nothing wrong with that, right? You've got an automobile, maybe two, maybe three, maybe other vehicles, maybe other major toys. And, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these things. There's not. There's not. But you know what? It's just busyness. The devil can so steal our relationship with God. It's just the cares of this life. Choke the word. and Choke our prayer life. Choke our walk with God. And You know, I'm not about trying to convince somebody that don't want to be convinced. I'm not about trying to you know, put pressure on somebody that just don't want that relationship. You've got to want that relationship with God. You've got to want it more than anything. You've got to make prayer. You've got to make time for your prayer life. You know, there's what my wife and I were talking earlier, just matter of fact, about this podcast and what I was going to talk about. It. You know, and, you know, we're both on the same page with this. And um, I thank God for a wife that uh, joins with me and has a prayer life of her own, too. And, you know, and and it's so easy for the the cares of this life to choke out your walk with God. It doesn't mean you're backslid. It doesn't mean you don't love God. But see, everything takes a precedent over your prayer life. And see, that's why you've got to push things back. You may have to rise early in the morning. You may have to spend a half a day on Saturday. And I, I don't think, you know, seeking God on a Saturday alone is, is a relationship with God. But I think there should be a maintenance prayer. And, and then sometimes, which is may, maybe even more difficult, but sometimes you've got to have special times of extra prayer. Yeah, where you spend extra prayer or more lengthy times in prayer. Maybe maybe an extra hour or two or three and, you know, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, but these things will strengthen your walk with God and see this life's going to pass on by and the devil wants to keep you busy. Oh, he wants to keep you so busy, my friend. You know, we're all busy. I'm busy. That's right. I, I, I make time to do these podcasts. Hey, sometimes I'm tired. I don't want to do it. Sometimes you're tired and you you don't want to do the necessary things. But you know what? I feel like I need to. I feel like I need to encourage somebody out there. That's right. 
when you've had the Holy Ghost since 1980, listen, if you've been living for God, you've got something to give. You do. And many of you are seasoned Christians. Some of you are in ministry. Some of you are pastors and great leaders for God. And oh, I'm honored that you would even listen to me today in any of my podcasts. And uh, I just thank you in advance. But whoever needs to hear this today, don't let busyness snuff out your prayer life. If it already has, fight to get it back fight to get it back. If you have to give it, get up an extra 30 minutes in the morning um, to pray, you know, you've got to do something. You've got to get that prayer life back. All right, let's go to number two. All right, so we're talking seven hindrances of prayer, of your prayer life. Number one was the cares of this life or busyness. Number two is a lack of priority. And you know, uh, about all of the seven here can be tied in to, together. They're so closely related. They really are. They really are. And um, But number two is a lack of priority. Many times we just don't make uh, that time with God a priority. And, you know, some call it a quiet time. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind of counter that. And I said, well, we need to have more than a quiet quiet time. We need to have some loud time. <laughs> Sometimes we need to get loud and we need to raise our voice and pray and we need to weep in his presence and we need to speak in tongues and travail and intercede and the effectual, why? the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the type of praying that we need to do that effectual fervent prayer. We need to make prayer a priority. That's right. That's right. You know, maybe you get up at three or four in the morning and you're just on the run to get to work. Maybe you just can't get up any earlier. I don't know your situation. I'm not here to judge you or tell you when to pray. That's between you and the Lord. But if it's in the morning or the evening or both, Daniel prayed three times a day. How long did he pray? I don't know. You know five minutes, 15 minutes, half hour, hour. I don't know what he did. But you know what? He sought the Lord so consistently consistency is so so important oh yes it is a lack of priority oh lord we need to make our time with you a lack of priority oh my you know i've got two recliners sitting in my living room of course my wife sits on one and i sit on the other and you know in times past and then i i think i've learned my lesson but in times past or, you know i could be looking at my phone you know or or reading a book and she's she's talking to me you know and i'm still looking at my phone or ipad or whatever and she said are you hearing me are you hearing me i i, I did you hear did uh, are you listening you know and then yeah i am but then again it, my whole attention wasn't on what she was saying did I get bits and pieces? Yeah, yeah, you know. But see, that's really not what she wants. And that's not what the Lord wants. <clears throat> no, no, no. He wants to be a priority in our life. And we've got to make him a priority. Prayer has got to be a priority. If I if I had 30 minutes, let's just say I had 30 minutes and I could only pray or I could only read my Bible. I know it's easier to read my Bible. It's easier on my flesh. It is. It's just open up the Bible, start reading. It's easier on my flesh. So I think in most cases, I would say I need to pray because that prayer time is relationship. I can read about 
George Washington, <laughs> you know, uh, the first president of the United States. That, that, you know, that's cool. But what if, you know, it's impossible, of course, he's dead and gone. But what if I could meet him? Would that be something? Would that be something? What if I could converse with him? You know, any of the great leaders, Abraham Lincoln and others, that would be awesome. There's something, one thing about reading about them, another thing. And of course, I'm not lowering or negating the, the power of the word of God in reading it. But when you're talking to the creator of and the author of the word of God and the word of God himself, that's right, clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Amen. His name is Jesus. Aren't you glad that you know that today? That's number two, a lack of priority. So number one, so we've got seven hindrances of your prayer life. Number one is the cares of this life, busyness. Number two, a lack of priority. Number three, number three. Oh, this is a big one. My, oh, this is a tough one right here. Number three is a tough one. And, and, and please hang out to number seven. Seven, oh, you don't want to miss number seven. I can tell you right now. And and, th and and three is a tough one as well. Unforgiveness toward others. Number three, unforgiveness toward others. You know, when, we, when we're holding a grudge and you just don't like somebody, that is a hindrance to your prayer life because God sees that grudge. You know, the Bible doesn't call it unforgiveness. When we've got something ought against somebody, the Bible doesn't call it that. We call it that. It doesn't sound so bad, but the Bible calls it a grudge. So it's a little more serious. It's a whole lot more serious than maybe we're admitting to. And so when we've got unforgiveness toward others, and we've got a grudge toward somebody, a family member, a friend, a relative, somebody in the church, the pastor, somebody, we've got a grudge. I'm telling you, that is a direct hindrance to your prayer life that's a that's that's like you just built a big brick wall between you and god it is i'm telling you that is some serious stuff right there my friend i encourage you today if you've got a grudge against somebody you've got ought against somebody or you don't like somebody you have got to bring that before the lord and forgive them if they don't know it and maybe that's just between you and the Lord. You bring it before the Lord. I don't think you have to go confess something if you haven't offended them and they have no way of knowing it. You don't have to go and stir up something new with them and hurt them. No, that wouldn't be wise. But you do need to take that before the Lord. And you need, you need, that's right, you need to repent of that. And you need to forgive them. Say, well, yeah, but I don't like what they said. I don't like what they did. I know. I understand. There's people we we all do. Can I say dumb things? We all have said dumb things. I've done it. Oh, I have done it myself. And I'm going, why did I say that? Why did I say it like that? You know. And then you know, there was a brother in the church, and I said something. I just oh, I was just so kidding when I said it. And um, and I thought afterwards, oh, I should not have kid. I should not have said that like that. He's probably going to think I'm serious, you know, and I thought on that several days. You know what I did? I, I reached out to him and I apologized to him. You know, hey, I'm just going to take a chance. <clears throat> 
don't take a chance. No, 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 no. No, he there was no expression that he was upset or anything. But you know what? That was on my part. I'm human. I just kind of just was in a kidding way said something that I thought afterwards that was really that mm, wasn't really a, the way I should have said that, you know. Uh, and so yeah, I, I contacted him and made an apology to him <laughs> and asked for his forgiveness. And he, you know said he wasn't worried about it, didn't think about it, whatever. But you know what? It was still on me. I needed to do that. That's right. And maybe you need to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to offend my brother. I don't want to cause him to have a grudge against me by something silly or, you know, off color or I don't know. Is that the right term? I don't even know what that means, off color. I think it just means that uh, something you shouldn't say. I, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> but you know what? We've got to have a right relationship with people. That doesn't mean you have to buddy people that maybe don't like you, somebody that is ugly toward you. That doesn't mean you have to be buddies with them, but you do have to forgive them. So that's right. You do have to forgive them. That's number three. You have to forgive them. Number four. Number four, mm, this is a tough one right here. Number four is a tough one. Pardon me there. Uh, yeah, number four is self-justification. Self-justification. Oh, my, that can come from every direction. My friend, every direction. What a hindrance to your prayer life. I'm talking about seven hindrances to your prayer life. Number four is self justification when you justify yourself i could have justified myself in that example i just gave ah that wasn't nothing ah you know i i but you know i i try to be sensitive to those things why because i claim the holy ghost i claim a walk with god and i don't want to offend i've probably done it and didn't even know it and couldn't even apologize Maybe we've all done that at some point i don't know but you know what we don't want anyone to have a grudge against us and if we've got a grudge against somebody, we've got something alt against them. We, yeah, we've got to forgive them. But see, and even self-justification can tie into that. Number four is self-justification. We justify ourselves. We make ourselves feel good. Well, you know, I work, you know, 16 hours a day and or 12 hours or 10 hours a day and Saturdays as well. And I'm just so wore out and, you know, and I just can't pray like that. I just can't do that. And, we're just justifying. We're making ourselves feel good about something we shouldn't feel good. Not that you walk in condemnation or guilt over it. But no, we, we, but when we see uh, something lacking, like our prayer life is lacking, what do we do? We don't get have to feel guilty about it, but we say, okay, I'm going to fix it. <laughs> you know, starting tomorrow, tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, I'm going to fix this prayer life. I'm going to do something. It's going to change. I'm going to do it. You can't, you can't put that off forever. Next thing you know, years will pass. Years and decades will pass and you still don't have a prayer life, which means you don't have much of a walk with God. I'm not being ugly, but it's the truth. You, you don't have much of a marriage if you don't talk to your spouse. If all you do is talk to your spouse on the fly, and on the go and here and there, if that's all the relationship communication you have, you don't have much of a marriage. And communication is so vital in a marriage. Communication is so vital in our walk with God. It's called a prayer life. Don't justify yourself in anything. Don't justify sin in your life. Don't try to justify. You've got to repent of it. Don't 
don't try to justify uh, a wrong attitude toward the church or wrong attitude towards something else. Uh, people have bad attitudes on their job, at their employers. That Man, I've heard people talk about co-workers. I mean, they let them have it. I'm talking about people claiming the Holy Ghost, and they were bragging. They were just... Uh, really felt like they had a right to say the ugly things they said to their co-workers because their co-workers were unsaved and they were, you know, unrighteous and they don't live for God, but they have had a bad spirit toward this, this person, this, this Christian person. But then this Christian person would find an opportunity to, oh, retaliate verbally and thought it was funny, thought it was good and justified. But friend, those things are not justifiable. No, 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 they're not justifiable in the presence of the Lord. They're not. Well, that's uh, that's four of the seven. That's four of the seven hindrances to your prayer life. Don't miss five, six, and seven. They're going to be powerful, especially number seven. So uh, hang on just for a, a minute for an important message, and I will be right back. I want to make sure that you knew about my book called The Urgent Need of the Hour. The subtitle is Revival Praying. Hi, this is Charles Rodas. If your prayer life needs reviving or you want to learn how to pray intercessory prayer and break through with great answers to prayer, I do encourage you to get this book. Now, I do want to read you a few testimonies. Now, a lady by the name of T. Bright writes... After reading this, I have a better understanding and drive to pray. And Christy W. writes, The chapter, Through the Veil, will make you put this book down and pray immediately. Great points of help all throughout this book. Brandon C. says, This is an absolutely incredible resource that will light a fire under you. One more, Shelley says, other than the Bible, of course, this is one of the most important books I've ever read. Such wisdom and knowledge. Now, you can get The Urgent Need of the Hour on Amazon, or you can get it on my website at charlesarotis.com. Well, I hope you take a look at it. God bless. Well, praise the Lord. This is Brother Rodas again. We're back to seven hindrances to your prayer life. So number one was the cares of this life, just busyness. Number two was a lack of priority. Number three, unforgiveness toward others. And number four can be so broad and so powerfully painful. Number four, self-justification. Self-justification. So we're going to talk about five, six, and seven crucial crucial last three that uh, if i can help you today i want to help you with this number five number five of the seven hindrances to your prayer life and, and sure there there could be many more these are just seven here that i've put together that that would hinder a lot of people the average apostolic believer Amen. number five is a lack of discipline sometime my friend 
We just don't have the discipline to pray. We had a discipline to be at work at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. We had a discipline to, uh, we had a, the discipline to come home and take care of the house. We have a discipline to take care of the kids. We have a discipline to go shopping and buy groceries. We have a, you know, we have a discipline to do everything that we've got to do, but we've got to say, okay, prayer is something I've got to do because it is for my own spiritual good. Amen. Nobody can make you pray. It's something you got to want to do. And I sometimes I struggle to go pray. Have you ever been there? I've made myself pray. And there's been times when I was praying that, oh, I didn't want to pray. Oh, and I just made myself say, why you do it, Brother Rodas? Why don't you just come back another time? No, I'm not just coming back another time. I've got to discipline myself. I've got to say no to my flesh. It's my carnality. And so the way I overcome that carnality and the way you overcome that carnality and that lack of discipline is just doing what you're supposed to do. And that's continue on praying. There's been so many times I was praying and just fighting to pray, fighting to to just stay in my room and to seek God and just tempted to walk over and grab that doorknob, open that door and walk out. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's so tempting. Now, what what are you going to do? You've got to discipline yourself to say, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to get a hold of God. Why? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Jesus was so disciplined at times he got up, the Bible says, a great while before day. My friend, if you want to walk in the power of God and you want to see your prayers answered, I don't think the Lord wants to be a spare tire in this great religion we're in. Oh, no, no, no. He don't want to be a spare tire in our uh, in our salvation. Oh, no, no. He wants to be the steering wheel. It was Corey Ten Boom, uh, the lady that was, uh, you've heard of her, probably a Jewish woman that was in the German uh, uh, Nazi camps. Uh, she was a she was there as a, one of those that was taken captive in World War Two. And, and but, you know, there is a young woman. Corey Ten Boom learned to pray. And that was one of the statements I read that she had said that prayer needs to be your uh, your steering wheel, not your spare tire. That's right. We don't want to make prayer our spare tire because that's just like saying, okay, God, I'll just pull you out whenever I need you. No, but God is wanting that relationship. That's right. And what does it take? It takes a, a, it takes a discipline. And we don't do it because of a lack of discipline. We put everything else before the Lord. We put all of these things before God. That's right. But we've got to discipline ourselves. Listen, if you start out at five or 10 minutes a day, five or 10 minutes a day, maybe put on a little gospel music, if that might help you, and and just play that while you're praying and turn it up a little bit. Maybe just help you focus a little bit, get your mind off of the, 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 the noises outside of your room. That's right. And help you focus and feel his presence and feel after him and reach after him and, and get that discipline going. That's right. Get that discipline in prayer. Oh, thank you, Jesus, where every day, every day you're praying some, every day you're seeking the Lord. See, you know, if you really want prayers answered, I believe, I believe for myself and I believe for everyone else that if I'm going to, I believe that I need to be consistent because I don't want to just, you know, ask God in times of trouble. The child is sick. My family member has had an accident. Something's wrong and I haven't prayed in five days or 
a week or two weeks. I haven't prayed since I've been at church. I haven't taken the time to seek God. And now I'm going to go ask God for something big. I'm not saying God won't do it. But, you know, there's a smaller faith when you're not, when you don't have a discipline of prayer. There's just a smaller faith you have. Oh, yeah. You say, well, no, 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 I believe anyway. No, you're not believing as much as you think you are because this Bible teaches that. That's not my thought. See, prayer and fasting build your faith. And if you're not praying and you're not fasting, your faith is small. It is small. That's Bible. Matthew 17, Jesus talked about it. That's right. Jesus rebuked small faith over and over in the in the scriptures. But when you've got a disciplined prayer life, okay, let's talk about number six. Number six, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but let's break it down a little bit more. Number six is distractions. Distractions can be such a hindrance to your prayer life. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. You know, how many of us have a smartphone? Hmm? And we take that that phones in our room with us when we do pray, yeah. And then you have a then you've got a hindrance there. Your your phone rings, or you maybe you've got it on you know vibrate. You know you just got it turned off, and but you know somebody's calling, and you pick it up, or there's a text, and you want to answer that text, or you want to answer that call. Those are little hindrances, even when they're not serious. We still so many times want to respond. What about social media? I don't think there's anything wrong with social media. No, I'm not saying anything against that. <clears throat> but it can be a hindrance. It can be a distraction to your prayer life. That's right. It can be a distraction to your prayer life. Why? Because every time you're distraction distracted, in your talking to God, in your commune with God, in your seeking after God. If, if you prayed, let's say, for an hour and you distracted five times, that's five times you lost. Can I use the word momentum? Can I use that word uh, for a lack of a better word right here? But there is a, something like a momentum in prayer. There is a spirit of prayer, and the devil wants to break that. He wants to hinder that, and he will throw legitimate things uh, in our way. He'll toss legitimate things in our direction to distract us, to get our minds off of prayer, to get our minds just for a minute or two. And maybe you were speaking with tongues and you were even going, starting to go into travail, and next thing you know, you've got your phone's ringing. You, you say, well, who's, who's buzzing my phone right now? I don't want to look, but you're, you're tempted, you're tempted, you're tempted. Am I saying it's sin or it's wrong? No, I'm not. But that can be a distraction. And so we have to be careful. So what am I talking about? I'm just talking about hindrances to your prayer life. All of these things can mount up against you and take away from your powerful prayer life. That's right. They can mount up against you and take away the quality and even hinder the quantity. Now, the more you're around somebody, now it's true. You have to admit it is. The more you're around somebody, it's very possible you're going to begin acting like them, talking like them. You know, if they use some slang, you might use some slang. If they've got a southern accent and you don't, well, then you might, hey, if you're talking to them every day, you might start using some of that southern accent, especially if you used to live in the south. Okay? Now, I've got a cousin. God bless her heart. 
and uh, and I've got some other girl cousins that live down south. Now my girl cousin that lives here in the area where I live, she'd like to go down uh, to Kentucky and visit with our other girl cousins uh, in Kentucky for several weeks at a time and see all of the family down there. And my cousin that lives here was born here just like me up north. She didn't have an accent of the south. But you know, when she came home, I used to laugh to myself how she would talk like she was born in Kentucky. That's right. She had such a southern accent. It it was kind of cute. It was kind of, you know, kind of funny in a way, kind of cute in a way. But she was a teenager, 12, 13 years old, whatever. And I was about the same age. And, you know, but my point is we can get around people and we can pick up their accent. We can get around people and we can even pick up their mannerisms if we're around them long enough. Now, why did I say that? I said that because the more you're with Jesus and the devil can stop you from being with Jesus, but the more you're with Jesus, you're going to talk like Jesus. That's right. I said, you're going to talk like Jesus. The more you're with Jesus, the more you're going to think like Jesus. The more often you're with Jesus, the more you're going to walk like Jesus. The more you're with Jesus, the more you're going to hate sin, hate sin like Jesus. That's right. Because you're going to be more like him because you, your spirit, your human spirit is, 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 um, molding it's it's a meshing with his and we become more like him and oh it's all about getting rid of these distractions so we can be more like jesus all right let's talk about the last one thank you for hanging on with me thank you for staying with me to number seven so crucial a scripture found in the book of revelation i won't read it but you know it you've been in the church a couple years you've probably heard it preached you know the verse But uh, Jesus talked about in the book of Revelation about them that have left their first love, them that have left their first love. And sometimes we're not praying and we've got this hindrance in our life. That hindrance is a lack of love for the master. We just don't love him like we used to. We first got the Holy Ghost. Think about it. There's people I've heard. I heard. I heard a pastor say one time, I heard him say it. Hmm. Uh, I'm not criticizing. He said it. I didn't say it. And uh, But he said, you know what? He said, I remember when I got the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't leave my house and go to work until I prayed a certain amount of time. There was such a passion that he had. And I don't know what he did different. If he, you know, if he changed his prayer time or what he exactly he meant by that. But let's just take that for a minute. Okay, what is it that we could have possibly how fired up we were when we got the Holy Ghost and we got baptized in Jesus name and that love, that deep love and that passion for God, that passion, the love for God's people and the church and that passion to win souls. Oh, my. What happened to that love? So so many have left their first love. They they have lost the feelings and the affections of that love they they have they have lost that and and this is a hindrance that lack of love is a direct hindrance to their soul to their eternity actually but they've got to get back to where they left off they've got to get back to their first love that's right they got to get back into that role 
of their first love so that again they could walk in a prayer life and walk with God and weep in his presence. Uh, my wife and I, we babysit a couple little boys. Uh, they used to be our foster sons. Uh, we're licensed foster parents. And uh, and the older one, he's uh, nine years old and now. And he says he said to my wife, he calls her Mimi. We're Mimi and Pap all to them. <laughs> so he says, Mimi, he says, if you get baptized, do you have to cry? Then he went on with his questions. Well, when you get the Holy Ghost, do you have to cry? When you when you pray, do you have to cry? Things like that. And he was just, um, uh, I'm concerned that he's being taught big boys don't cry. I'm concerned that maybe somewhere he's hearing that from somewhere. I don't know. I, I'm concerned that he's afraid that he'll cry and he shouldn't. And, and I'm thinking maybe he has those thoughts. But, you know, we need to weep in the presence of the Lord. Big boys and big girls do cry in the presence of the Lord because we're not crying out of anger. We're not crying out of sadness unless we're repenting of sin, of course. We would cry out of sadness. But for the most part, we are weeping in the wonderful presence of the Lord that so touches us. And sometimes you just can't help to weep in his amazing presence oh my friend if you have slipped a little bit if you have slipped a little bit from your first love uh-huh and those feelings and those admirations toward the lord and his church toward the lost if they're not what they used to be and your prayer life has slipped away i want to encourage you today listen to this again if you need to Get, get a hold of this thing and begin to pray. Make it a priority. Make it a priority. Have your Bible nearby. That's right. Have your Bible nearby. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I want to encourage you today to pray. I want to encourage you today to seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he's near. Well, my friend, again, I want to thank you for listening to uh, uh, myself, your host, and Everything Apostolic. And we're so glad. And if you would listen to this last message, and until next time, uh, this is Charles Rodas, your host. Thank you for listening to the Everything Apostolic Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and review for it as it provides tremendous feedback to this ministry. Don't forget, more resources are available at www.charlesarodis.com. There you will find Pastor Rodis's books and also the newsletter and a free gift when you subscribe to the newsletter. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.